been encouraging our church to uh, have a word for the year. And I know a lot of you have said, hey, I got my word for the year. And um, my word for last year was wait. I think I'm still waiting on a word for this year. That wasn't a joke. I'm serious. I am waiting. Um, but, uh, you know, God's taught me a lot about waiting. And I'm so glad that that was the word. And um, I pray that, you know, you'll pick a word and that, that you'll look back on it at the end of the year and go, oh man, yeah, I grew in that. That's really the, the implication. So the word we're looking at today is forgiveness. We've been talking about repentance the last couple weeks, uh, and last week was repentance leads to forgiveness, and today we're going to talk about forgiveness. I have never struggled with unforgiveness in my life. I've always been pretty quick to forgive, kind of thick-skinned. And uh, I just kind of like move on quickly. But the last couple years, for some reason, I've had to battle this. And so preaching it today is probably harder and better than it's ever been before. I just want to say that to you. I've preached on forgiveness before. I don't think I really understood it as much as I do now. And I pray that today will be really powerful that way. I want to give you the big idea. Okay, I don't always do this. Uh, matter of fact, rarely do this. But I just want to, I want to get it in front of you so you're like, okay, this is what we're going for. Here's the big idea about forgiveness, Okay. I must, I want to make it personal. The story in scripture that we're going to look at is like all of us, and I get that, and anybody that's a servant of Jesus Christ, but I want to make it personal today. I must, okay? There's not a lot of wiggle room here. This is God's word. It's what it says. We have to do that, or we're being disobedient. I must be forgiven by Jesus. He's already forgiven me. I just need to accept it, and forgive others from my heart, okay? I'll read it one more time. I must be forgiven by Jesus. I mean, that's important. That's really important. And then forgive others from my heart. So that's the big idea. That's what we're going after. And uh, I think the question comes back, how often do I have to forgive others? How often do I have to be forgiven by God? That's a good question. And our text answers that question. So go ahead and open your Bible to Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18. I love that noise. Bible's turning. Some of you guys have the smartphone. That's cool too. Make some noise with it. Turn it on or something so I can hear it beeping. All right, Matthew chapter 18. We left off here last week. And um, this is going to really explain... What's going on uh, in the hearts and lives of believers, and especially Peter, and uh, I want to put myself in Peter's shoes and understand what's going on here. So uh, verse 21, uh, Matthew chapter 18, then Peter came up and said to him, we're talking Jesus now, because Jesus was talking, he's got the red letters, Lord, Lord means master, right? Like my master, Lord. How often, I have that circled in my Bible, because that's the question he's asked, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Good question. Could have left it there, but he didn't. Why not? Maybe a little bit of pride. Oh, I got the answer, Lord. Let me just guess once. Bet you it's A. I have A. Here it is. As many as seven times. 
Now, the reason that's important is because in the Old Testament, it was an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. One for one. And then the Pharisees, because of Amos in his writing in the Old Testament, thought, okay, wait, 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 we'll, we'll be better than that. We'll, we'll give it three strikes, you're out. You ever heard of that before? Might be baseball. Three, three strikes, you're out, okay? I'll give you a fall tip in there somewhere, but three strikes, you're out, right? And that's what they were doing. And they thought they were all so holy for doing that. And Peter comes and he's like, hey, double it and add one. I'm amazing. Seven's the number of God. It's seven. Seven times, right? Look at the reply. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Here's the point. Stop counting. Right? You don't, you don't have all your fingers and toes out and like how many times. It's like it's a number beyond your like tally sheet. Stop counting. And then he tells this story. Because of the hardness of Peter's heart, because of the hardness of our heart. I mean, I don't want any ill will against Peter because I don't want any ill will against me, right? He's just trying to do the best he can. He's like thinking, oh, I got this. Here's the answer. Aren't I a good boy? That's kind of how we operate with God, right? And God's like, wait, wait, wait. My standard is so much different than what you think it is. I think it's important to know and read the story. Who are we in the story? I'm not the king. I'm a servant. And there's other fellow servants around me. And with that in mind, take your place in the story and feel hmm, the pain of that and the hope of that. So let me read it. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king. We'll call him King Jesus, who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him, because we all have to appear before the judgment seat of Christ. One was brought to him, so make it personal now, who owed him 10,000 talents. That's an unpayable debt. There's no way he could pay it off. It's, it's millions and billions. I mean, commentators like argue about how much it is. It's way beyond multi-millions. It's into maybe billions. It's not payable this lifetime. It's not going to happen. And since he could not pay, is that clear? He could not pay and never was going to be able to. His master ordered him to be sold. It's common practice back then. I'm going to sell you. I'm going to sell your wife, his wife and his children, and all that he had. It's like, what did he have if he owed that much? No. A lot of us are in debt too, aren't we? We have so much. I got a big house, but I got all this like debt, right? So I think that kind of is with our culture. It fits, right? Consumer debt, probably not a good thing. Debt on your house, maybe a little bit, but not too much. We teach all of these things as another message, another time. But he had some stuff. He wasn't going to be able to pay billions, but he was going to be able to pay a few hundred thousand, and the king was calling it in. And that payment may be made, okay? Verse 26, so the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, 
have patience with me and I will pay you everything. I'll come back to that. And out of pity, mercy, compassion for him, the master of the servant released him and forgave him the debt. If it just stopped there, you, and they all lived happily ever after, right? It's like a great movie. But this is the plot twist. But when the same servant went out, it didn't take him long, he found, he was looking for one of his fellow servants, man, who owed him a hundred denarii. A denarii is about a day's wage, so it's a hundred days wage. You could probably pay that off, um, well, in a hundred days. And seizing him, he began to choke him. Just put your hands around somebody, right? And start to shake, you know? I, I mean, if you're going to loan somebody a hundred days wage, you probably are friends. Not after this, you know? You're severing the relationship right now through unforgiveness. It kind of hurts my heart to read this because it applies to our lives so much. Saying, pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down, sounds familiar, pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. Chance to say, yeah, sounds good. Let's get on a payment plan. Or I forgive you because my master forgave me. Or a thousand different things you could say right there. These two words grieve my heart because I say these words. He refused. We say that in our heart. That's unforgiveness. We refuse. And went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servant saw, so everybody else is looking on, and they see it. Do you guys know that? See, this is the thing that pierces my heart so much. Others are watching me be unforgiving, and it's affecting them. Others saw, his servants saw what had taken place, and they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to their master all that had taken place, it's exactly where they should take it, to the master, to the king, to Jesus. Then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, you don't want to be in that second meeting. I forgave you all the debt. I forgave, past tense. I'm not bringing that up, but you've got to owe me something new now. <laughs> I think what he owes him is the hundred denarii. I think that's what's happening right now. I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me and should not you have had mercy, pity, compassion on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? Answer is, come on church, what's the answer? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah you should have. And yes, I should too. And in anger, so true that Jesus can have righteous anger. His master delivered him to the jailers, tormentors. Um, some people would say, well, he's going to hell. I don't, I don't believe that. I don't believe that you can be saved and uh, 
and then go to hell, okay? So, so again, there's a lot of theological in, underpinnings here, but just let's, let's go with jailers, tormentors. I think of it as demonic. Like, you can, you can get into sin and stay in the pit of sin for a long time until you repent, until he should go pay all of his debt. So also my heavenly father, oh, there's the king, Jesus, the father, they're one, it's the same, will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. So back to the big idea, right? We need to be forgiven by God and we need to forgive others from our heart. All right, let me pray. God, teach us from your word. There's so much here. There's so good words. And we want, to, um, we want to pierce our heart. We want to be different. We don't want to just walk into church and then leave uh, the same. So start bringing up people to us that um, we won't forgive. And start softening our heart towards them. Because you never give up on us. And so we shouldn't give up on them. God, remind us that there's, there's just no enduring relationships apart from forgiveness. We can't actually be friends any longer unless we forgive. And the strongest relationships are the ones that embrace forgiveness. Thank you for this story. Impact our lives with it. Teach us. And I pray that we, that I, will obey. In the name of Jesus Christ, your Lord. Our Lord, amen. Okay, three things I need you to know about forgiveness or unforgiveness, okay? Three things I need you to know and then a quick response, okay? And we gotta hurry because parent-child dedication, all that took a little bit longer and all these different things. And so I just wanna get you out on time. So you listen quick, I'll preach quick. How about that? Like, don't talk any faster. I can hardly understand you now. All right, I'll slow down. Number one, here's what you need to know. I need the forgiveness Jesus came to offer. I, personalize it now, you, I, need the forgiveness Jesus came to offer. You're like, I don't need it, I already got it. No, I think you need it again. (laughs) And again, and again, and again. And I think you need to preach the gospel to yourself again, and again, and again. Because then you'll experience the gospel, and then you'll live the gospel out, and you'll be forgiving others again, and again, and again. Because that happens uh, every day. So, How does forgiveness come? Let's just answer that question. Well, if you were here the last two weeks, you know it comes through repentance. It comes through repentance. So he says in this story, well, it comes through repentance. So let me explain that to you. So here's a verse. Uh, I'm going to go back to uh, uh, Luke 17, a parallel passage. Luke 17, 3 and 4. Here it is. Pay attention to yourselves. Okay, so I'm cutting it off right in the middle here. Jesus, the first two verses of uh, Luke 17 are all about like sin. Woe to sinners. Woe to those who make people sin. Woe to sin. Sin, sin, sin. Bad sin. Boom. Okay. And then he says this. Pay attention to yourself. Your own sin. Nobody wants to be reminded of that. But pay attention to yourself first. And then, secondly, if your brother sins against you, right? rebuke him. Again, we talked about this last week. We don't do this very well in the church. Rebuke him doesn't mean yell at him, write him off. Rebuke him means with patience, 
complete patience and teaching and gentleness, come to him and say, I see the word, I see your life, I know you want to live by the word, but it doesn't add up. Here, could I give you this verse? Could I say to you, this doesn't make sense to me. I want you to change. I admonish you in the Lord. Please change, add up. So rebuke him, and if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day, imagine if it's 77 times in a day, and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you'd be pretty tired of that, right? But if that were to happen, I think again, he's saying like, there's no limit here. That's, that's insane that somebody would do that. You must forgive him. So repentance leads to forgiveness. Repentance is a real thing. We've been on that, and uh, now we're into this forgiveness piece. So, so here's the deal. Look at, look at the text. Verse 23, Therefore the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wishes to settle accounts with his servants, and he began to settle. And one was brought to him, owed him 10,000 talents, and since he could not pay it, his master ordered him to be sold and his wife and his children and all that he had and payment to be made. It's a bad situation, sin is. It's a debt you owe. So the servant fell on his knees. What? In repentance. Imploring him, have patience with me. Should have been have mercy with me. On me. And I will pay you everything. So I read this, and I read it, and I read it, and I read it, and I read it. And the next phrase is, and the master had pity on him, right? Out of pity for him, the master of the servant released him and forgave him the debt. But I want to tell you, I think it's different than what you think. I think Jesus has pity on the fact that this guy thinks he can work his way to a good relationship with him. I'll pay it back. It's a debt you can't pay. No, 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 I'll do it. And this is what works-based salvation looks like, right? And so many of us grew up in churches where it's like, baptize your kid, you know, Get them confirmed, do all the right things, and you're saved. Give enough money to the church. If the list of the things you do good are better than the list of things you do bad, it'll be great. That's what this guy was operating on. He was a Pharisee for sure, right? That's what he was operating on. And I think God didn't have pity on him because he was like, I'm a sinner, forgive me. I think he had pity on him because he was like, you don't even understand. You can't pay this back. So I forgive you. See, this is what Jesus did on the cross. Jesus came and died on a cross. Before you ever asked him for forgiveness, he already died. He already paid the debt. And that's what this master's doing He's releasing him and forgiving him from the debt, just like Jesus did when he came and died on the cross. I feel like I need to illustrate this a little bit. Anybody have a $100 bill? Come on now. Anybody? Who, get your wallet out. Who's got a $100 bill? Come on up. Come on up. 
The fact that you didn't put that in the offering is an awesome thing. Because now, um, thank you. I'm just going to take this for a while. I love you. I love you. All right. Go ahead. Have a seat. Um, he's never getting this back. All right. So that's mine. I'm going to go out to lunch with my family, and it's going to be amazing. Thank you for coming to church. This is my most profitable illustration ever. And you don't think I'm serious, but I'm dead serious. It ain't coming back. All right, so how do you feel right now? I don't know if this guy can be my pastor. Is he playing around? Because I don't think he's playing around. I'm pretty serious. And so that's, that's the thing right there. That's, that's, I owe him a debt. I took something from him. Now, this is monetary. Who cares? But when it's in real life, when somebody's abused you, right? When somebody's hurt you or hurt your kids or done something malicious. Well, this is pretty malicious. I took his lunch money. He can't take his family out. I'm going to take my family out. Here's what forgiveness is. It's the decision to release a person from the obligation that resulted when they injured me. I'm going to say it again. You can write it down if you want. Forgiveness is the decision to release a person from the obligation that resulted when they injured me. You have to make a decision. It's the decision to release a person from the obligation that resulted when they hurt you, when they injured you, when they took the $100 from you. Now, if I give it back to him, we're going to be all good. But what if I never give it back to him? Is he stuck? Does he have to stay there in prison? No, he does not. He can choose to forgive me. It's a choice. Forgiveness is a choice. And the choice is to say, you don't owe me anymore. That's the choice Jesus Christ, God the Father, and the Holy Spirit made before the foundation of the world. Before they ever created us, they made a choice. We know Adam and Eve are going to sin. Created them anyway. We know everybody else in the world is going to sin. Passed down through Adam and Eve. We're going to create them anyway. And they made a choice to say, you don't owe me anything. And the reason is because Jesus Christ paid the debt you owe. It's out of the way. All you need to do is accept that. You have to accept the fact that God forgave you. I need the forgiveness Jesus came to offer. I need it. I'm hoping everybody forgets about that $100 bill right now. All right, let's move on. We can settle accounts later. Thank you. I want to release the person from the obligation that came when they offended me. 
I want to do that. I want to do that today. And let me say this in transition to the next point. This should be like breathing to a believer in Jesus Christ. Forgiveness should be so natural, it's like air coming in and out of our lungs because we've been forgiven so much. I know it's hard. I know it hurts. I understand it more after the last couple years than I've ever understood before. I might not understand it on the level you've been hurt. But again, before God Almighty, his word says we need to forgive. They might not receive that forgiveness unless they ask for forget for repent unless they repent, right? But in our ours is to be like like Jesus our king and be like I forgave you at the cross. Do you want it? It's yours if you want it. That's the way we're supposed to act. All right, second Not only do I need the forgiveness Jesus came to offer, I need to forgive others like Jesus forgave me. So, what did he do? He gets to the end here in verse 28, and he's like, uh, but the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 denarii, little debt, see, maybe $100, less than a couple weeks or whatever, I don't know how much you make, but... Day's wage. He said, pay me what you owe me. And the fellow servant fell down, okay? Pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. The next two words are the key. He refused. He refused. It's like, no, I won't do it. You're gonna give me what's mine. I'm gonna... Hold you accountable. Imagine if God did that with us. He refused. See, I need to forgive others like Jesus forgave me. Am I willing to give others what Jesus has given me? Am I willing? That's the question. I want to answer this question. Why don't we forgive? Why is it so hard for us? Why don't we forgive? Well, it's like this. We make rationalizations. We say, oh, it's too big. It's too big. Well, if it's too big, get rid of it, right? Just imagine, okay, I have a friend, uh, Wendell, who is going into surgery tomorrow uh, for cancer, and, um, and they're taking it out. And uh, that's what we do when we have something inside of us that's not supposed to be there. So just imagine this is my offense. You offended me, Right? And now I'm walking around with this tumor in me. And why don't I forgive? Well, it's too big. Like, don't you want to get rid of it? What do, what, how do we handle cancer? We're like, take it out now. Shrink it and remove it, right? That's how we handle it. So um, I can't forgive because I can't forget. It's like right here. I can only see it. Well, what better reason than to remove it, right? I can't forgive if I won't forget. You won't forget if you don't forgive. I guarantee you. You'll keep bringing it up to your mind. I, I'm like this. I go to put my clothes on. I'm like, I'm thinking about it. And then I go, I'm in the shower and I'm, I'm thinking about it. And then I'm going to bed at night and I'm thinking about it. And all I do is think about it. You know what I'm talking about. And it's horrible. It's like a disease. 
Why don't we forgive? Here's another one. We think time will heal it. Well, it'll get better. It'll kind of go away. Maybe I'll just get used to it. And then I won't even know it's there. If I just keep my head up, I won't see it. But then you go to the store and you run into the person who hurt you. And you're reminded of the obligation. Or they say something to you that's dumb. That's the worst. And you're like, boom! It's all, you're like, oh, here it is! You know? And you just get all uptight. Yeah, time might heal after you forgive, but it's not going to heal if you haven't forgive. I'll forgive when they say they're sorry. What if they don't come? You're just going to carry that for the rest of your life? You're just going to walk around with a tumor? You don't have to. Like, what if they don't come? And if they did come and you had this big offense, do you think you're going to go like this? No. You're going to be, you're going to go like this and shove it in their face, you know? Last reason. I can't forgive. They'll just do it again. They're just going to do it again and again and again and again. Kind of like you when you sin. Yeah, kind of like me when I sin. Just again and again and again. Yeah, that, that way. Imagine how, G if Jesus treated us the way we think about treating other people, we, there would be no hope of eternal life. There would be no hope for forgiveness. It, it, would, be, it would be over. <laughs> Done. And so this is why Jesus says, I have a different standard and I want to teach it to you and I want you to do it too. You need to forgive others like I forgave you. Ephesians 4, 32, I'll put it on the screen. It's just a verse that um, I think we all should memorize it, right? Be kind, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. That's the King James I'm quoting. What does it say up there? That's the ESV. I think we all need to have that in our mind and, and not just memorize it, but like apply it to our life. We need to be kind to one another. We need to be tender-hearted, soft-hearted, maybe thick-skinned so we're not really sensitive, sensitive, super sensitive, but, but we need to be tender-hearted and forgive one another as God in Christ Jesus forgave me. Go back to point one, I need forgiveness... Jesus came to offer when you're having trouble with point two. I need to forgive others like Jesus forgave me. Now let me just say it this way. People who have forgiveness, give it. If you understand the grace of God, you're ready to give grace out, right? People who have forgiveness... If you have it from Christ, you're willing to give it. And people who say they have it but don't give it reveal that they really don't have it at all. And that's scary. Now, I'm not saying you forgive and go back to the pain. You, you know, oh, I forgive you. Do it to me again, please. Like, I'm not saying that. 
I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying go back to that bad relationship. I'm not saying go back to the person who abused you. I'm not saying any of that. There are boundaries, biblical boundaries, and sin is sin. God will deal with sin. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Romans 12. Leave it in his hands. Don't take it into your hands because if you do, you're just liable to get bitter. And that's the next one. Number three, I need to understand the consequences of unforgiveness. Like in order to get on the forgiveness train, you really need to understand the consequences of unforgiveness. So let me read it from the text. He refused, put him in prison, should pay the debt. And here, for 31 through 35, here it is. When his fellow servants saw what he had taken place, they were greatly distressed and they went and reported to their master, to the king, to Jesus, to God the Father, all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? Yes, I should have. And in anger, the master delivered him to the jailers to be tormented. I felt like that the last few years. Felt a little stuck, a little tormented. I'll, I'll tell you about that in just a second. Until he should pay all his debt. You know, it's a, a debt I can't pay, right? So repentance is the only way out of that prison. Do you get that? He's like, oh, I'll just put you in prison. You can be tormented until you can pay the debt. I can't pay the debt. There's no way to pay the debt. And repentance is the only way out of this prison. You just need to know that. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. It's a strong word today. It's a strong word. I'm convicted. Okay. You might be sitting here and think, I have a right to feel this way. You don't know what they did to me. And to that, I just say, man, don't live in the dumps. You know, it started like you were a bag lady and you're carrying a little bag uh, lady offense. And then you put it in a backpack and you started to carry a little cargo load. And then you put it in one of those big plastic bags. You know what that is? One of those like 70 or 80 gallon thingies with the red strap or yellow. It's hefty, right? You, I'm just, you know what I'm talking about? Do you see how it's growing? And then you like are carrying a dumpster. How hard is that? Can you imagine? I can't even imagine. Yeah, it's really hard. I've tried it. Don't try it. And then all of a sudden you move in at the dump. This is kind of how unforgiveness goes. So I get it. If you're hurting and I don't want to be insensitive and I, you know what? A year ago, I couldn't have got to this spot. So give it time, okay? Nobody's saying like, if you don't get there today, you're wrong. Like, hey, our sanctification is a process. I'm preaching this so that you will get there, whether today or in the future by God's grace. Unforgiveness is the refusal to release a person from the obligation that resulted when they hurt you. I refuse. I won't do it. You can't make me. 
And there's consequences for that unforgiveness. Here they are. I'll just give you a couple. Uh, there's a lot, but it imprisons me in the past. This is the best illustration I can think of. Um, you ever play softball? You ever go sliding into second? You ever come up with one of those big watermelons? I'm not talking raspberry now. I'm talking like watermelon, right? Where it like sticks to your jeans. All the ladies are like, what are you talking about? No, I know. Your husband did that dumb thing? Yeah, that. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> and it just, and it just like festers and like it's, uh, and it like keeps opening and opening and opening. It's like takes like months, right? For it to actually scab over. Unforgiveness is like picking at that thing all the time. It's just raw. It's just gross. And it hurts you and it keeps you in prison. Warren Wearsby says it this way, the world's worst prison is the prison of an unforgiving heart. That's the world's worst prison. And there's no door on it. You can come right out through repentance, but that's the worst prison. Two, um, the cost or consequence of unforgiveness, it produces bitterness. It's an infection and it spreads. It hinders your relationship with other people. It's hindered mine for sure. Three, it gives Satan an open door. I don't want to let Satan into these doors. I pray that God puts angels at the corners of Kellogg Middle School and that demons cannot come in here. But when I come in with unforgiveness, I'm dragging that demon right in with me. And I'm allowing Satan to have a foothold in the church, in my life, in my home, in our small group. I don't want that anymore. A couple verses for that. Ephesians 4, 26 and 27 and 2 Corinthians 2, 10 and 11. It will stunt your growth. This is a consequence of unforgiveness. Here's the last one. It hinders your fellowship with God. Anybody know the Lord's Prayer? Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive those who have sinned against us. As, like, I, you want Jesus to forgive you like you forgive other people? Because that's what he says the standard is. Forgive us our debts, God, as we forgive others. The servants saw and they were distressed. It hurts our relationship um, with other followers of Jesus Christ's unforgiveness. And then they told the master. I just want to point this out. They went to the master and told him. You're like, tattletale, narc. Come on now, who was thinking that? Raise your hand. Be honest to church. Who was thinking that? I was thinking that. I was the only one thinking that? All right, great, thanks. I'm the only hard-hearted one here. Thanks for leaving your pastor up here. I appreciate it. I'll be here all week. Oh, man. I just have a wicked mind, and I'm like, why don't you just go to the person? That's what it said in chapter 18, verse 15. Let's just get ourselves in the story. Who's the master? God, who's the only person you should take your offense to? God. That's exactly right. 
They went and told the king. They went and told King Jesus. I don't understand Jesus. I don't get it. What's going on? What's happening? Yeah, you could tell Jesus that. Just don't tell everybody in your small group that. Just don't tell everybody in the church that. That is great wickedness. Keep your mouth shut to other people. I love that he took it to the king because the king's going to settle the account. And that's the way it should be here on earth. We should, vengeance is God's, let him settle the account. Look at Jesus' example in uh, Luke 23. Jesus said, on the cross, imagine the pain. If you're having trouble with my message right now, not my message, the message from God right now, because of the pain you have in your heart and soul, imagine Jesus hanging on a cross, how much pain he was in at that moment, and here's what he said in the pain. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. That person who hurt you, they had no idea of the eternal consequence of their sin. If they did, if they had even an inkling, they would not have done what they did. So I want to make it personal uh, in closing. Summer of 2017, I had a simple conversation with a friend of mine. It kind of went bad. And um, I've been suffering ever since. And so is that person and so is this church. And so I want to repent of that. Um, I've been harboring unforgiveness in my heart for way too long. It took me a long time, an extra week, to preach this message. And I'm not going to tell you who it is because that's not the biblical construct. But uh, I'll tell you what. I don't want it to affect the church. I feel like our church has been under a cloud for the last year and a half. I don't know if you felt it, but I have. I felt like uh, the first five, five and a half years of our church was pretty, well, we'll call it the honeymoon stage. Everything's kind of rolling, everything's good, and then stuff hits the fan, right? <laughs> and uh, if you can't get over that, if you can't let it go, then you're just dragging it around. Pretty soon, you live at the dump. This series is about a fresh start. It's about not doing the thing we used to do, but doing something different, doing something biblical, doing something godly, doing something Jesus did for us. It's about forgiveness. So it's time to release the person. It's time to say, you don't owe me. You don't owe me anything. I won't bring it up to you anymore. I won't bring it up to God anymore. And the best thing is, I'm not going to bring it up to myself anymore. And when I do, when it comes to my head in the shower, I'm going to repent immediately. Forgiveness is a choice. So let me just put this on the screen really quickly. I need to change my attitude and my actions today. I need to, and so do you. And whether it's today or someday in the future, there's urgency to that statement today. And so get on the clock right now. You've heard God's word. Ask him to give you faith to do what he has planned. He's making you spiritually fit to receive what he has planned. He's allowed you to go through this circumstance. As wicked as that seems, he's not wicked. Evil is. 
Sin is. I need to change my attitude and my actions today. There's a book here, The Bait of Satan. I've been reading it. Uh, Living free from the deadly trap of offense. If you have trouble, get this book. Buy it, read it. There's a 31-day just devotional or a workbook in the back. Go through that. In 30 days, I guarantee you, you're going to be off of this thing. Because this is biblical and it will remind you every day of what we're talking about today. The bait of Satan. Do not take the bait of Satan. Go get the book, read it, and change. Okay, last thing. Forgiveness is a choice. I'm going to put it on the screen. I forgive blank for blank. I want you to write it down. I did this last Friday. I wrote it down in a journal. This is the offense. This is why it's biblical. This is everything I got. I wrote it all down. Four pages long. And I repented of it. I took communion last Sunday and I haven't thought about the offense since. That's the power of God. That's him, not me. So I'm asking you, forgive the person, write down the name, for the hurt, write down the thing they did. Get it out. Let go of it. You might need to take that piece of paper and burn it. Shred it. Bury it. Nail it to a cross. I don't know what you need to do, but you need to do something with it because it can't stay in you. Because it's hurting you and it's hurting the church. This is a fresh start, guys. For those of you that are like, man, great message, but I don't know how to apply it to me. Here's here's what I'd say. You go to God and you say, God, who do I need to forgive? And when he tells you, when he shows you, just commit to doing it. All right? All right, let's stand. Father, grateful for your word. It is quick and powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces us. It causes us to do things we wouldn't normally do. It causes us to forgive like you forgived us. And we love you. And we ask you that you would give us faith like the disciples asked right after you told them. Seven days, seven times, seven forgiveness. Give us faith to do it. I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.